Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Financia, Coast to Main Podcast, and the host of the Source Financia YouTube channel, of course, back with another one. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. And you say you know, quality control is often something that they try to push back on, especially when it's specific. So something that a lot of people, you know, they buy for the, for, for the first time and they really don't understand that. It's on them to be specific. It's on yeah. them to design the process of the approval. So for example, the costume, you know, how do you make sure that you get exactly the right material and accessories and then when it's dyed, you know, it's exactly the right color that you want within a very tight tolerance. And then the sizes are okay and all these kind of things. So you could just tell your, your supplier, hey, uh, yeah, just um, you already know the sizes in North America, right? So yeah, yeah, we just want uh, like six-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old and uh, yeah, all right. And then you don't try to check it and approve it before production. <laughs> I mean, that. You know that is a recipe for disaster because then if everything is one or two sizes too small, what can you say? You cannot yeah. say anything actually because you, 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 you never approved any samples for sizes. You, you know, or if the, I mean, there's, there's so many issues with that, that can pop up obviously, but you need to design your approval process, and then you because even if we say like relatively off the shelf product. Yeah, you know, that costume, as you say, maybe they already had the pattern and they already knew what workmanship it would be, but, you know, the colors and the print and everything are a bit different. Maybe the sizes need to be reapproved. So very often there are approvals, you know, for packaging, <laughs> typically. Uh, you need to approve things and, and keep that as a standard. Uh, and you need to think, as you mentioned, of the potential defects. What is going to be a critical defect? If I find one of these... The whole shipment is going to be blocked. You're going to have to recheck 100% of the products and you're going to have to pay for the reinspection. You know, So when they start to see these sort of things in a very specific way, you know, documented that they have to approve, that's when, oh, oh, you know, they start to think, hey, this is for real. These guys might just block a shipment and be very painful. So that's when they yeah. start to discuss. And actually... That discussion is very, uh, very important. It should take place because if you send them something very specific and they say, okay, 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 yeah, yeah, okay, send it back to you, you know, it might be the salesperson who just wants her commission and wants to get things, you know, underway and they don't care. They say, okay, it's fine, it's fine. And the people in production quality haven't even seen it, right? Uh, same thing for, for contracts. <laughs> yeah, and that's a, that's, a, that's a really good point as well in terms of... Um you know, the salesperson, right? Because a lot of times you're talking to the salesperson and the salesperson doesn't have the same level of expertise as mm -hmm. the actual production management or the engineers mm -hmm. that would, you know, maybe understand these these issues. Right. And the salesperson is just trying to push the order and, and finish it just to get the commission. So, uh, you know, that's, that's something that we always kind of try to mention as well with clients who then work, work with factories directly or, before dealing with the factory and we have some issues, we try to get a second 
contact, uh, maybe try to get the engine, uh, engineer, production manager, or someone like that who has more experience, that has more decision-making power. Because, yeah, the, I mean, a lot of issues have been fixed by just not dealing with the salesperson. <laughs> right. So it's Absolutely. quite a few numbers. Yeah. That's so true. And then sometimes you get lucky and you get a really experienced one who, yeah. as you said, you know, will ask some questions, will say, well, usually other clients, you know, the, the other customers run into these kind of issues and then they did that to prevent it and that. And you're really lucky. But yeah. if they see you as, yeah, this customer looks kind of cheap, you know, it's the first time, so, you know, the order is not large, whatever. They give you the junior salesperson with very minimal experience. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a risk. Uh, happens quite a bit. And then nobody's managing the project. Nobody's really aware of the risks or pointing to the risks and challenges. And, and yeah, that, that, that's really an issue. So vetting the supplier, you know, getting back to that stage is so important. Uh, making sure that you have the contact of maybe the sales manager or, or someone with experience that you can communicate with for certain topics, it, it's, really, it's really a plus, right? Yeah, it is. Definitely, I think, you know, the big takeaway there would just be like, get a second point of contact. You know, if you can deal with somebody who's a little bit more senior, yeah. it, it just, it makes it much, much easier. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, okay, so let's say you fund supplier, agreed on the terms, everything's clear. They know sort of the roadmap to to get your, your, your payments and to, to get the shipment and get everything validated. How... Okay, you're not on site. Do you just tell them, okay, yeah, here's the first payment. Okay, to start production, tell me when it's finished, <laughs> which a lot of people do, right? Uh, yeah. Would you would you just say that and just trust that? Hey, you know, it's fine. Uh, they will tell me if something goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean. Typically, what we do is like we we would uh, we first of all we want to do an inspection of the facilities even before we start the order. So it, even if it was uh, a product that was pre-existing and we looked at the samples and stuff like that, we still want to go physically oh, yeah. to the supplier, mm-hmm. sit down with them face to face, let them know that we're real, mm-hmm. and also just understand what their actual facilities look like and how they operate and then as we already talked about quite a bit the the contract you know a lot of times we end up negotiating the contract on those visits but yeah beyond that i mean you have to you have to be active in in your communication you have to be asking them for updates you have to be scheduling inspections Uh, i think if it's an original product then you know we typically like to do an, an inspection during production and then at the end of production, if it's a, a pre-existing product, then you maybe you schedule the production at the end of the inspection at the end of production. But besides that, even just asking, you know, your salesperson or whoever it is that you're talking to at the factory to go and check what's going on in production and send you pictures and just get general updates on, on the production process, I think is extremely important. It also right. it also is one of those things where because a lot of clients don't do that, you know, if you're a more active client, then you basically just have more people paying attention to oh, yeah. 
definitely your, your production like uh, they just they will take you a little bit more seriously yeah so, because again as i mentioned you have to assume that nobody is managing your 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 order it's you don't have like project managers or things like that you would think the salesperson does that but the salesperson is just just going to follow up on you know the payments to get her commission is uh, just going to um to to respond to your questions but not be very proactive usually and she's going to spend her time you know waiting for other inquiries from alibaba or or, or wherever they are advertising and, mm-hmm. and following up as fast as she can uh to get you know the next customer and the next customer uh, that's the reality so yeah uh, if you're far away you can come you have a low budget i mean if you if you can't even do an inspection of production gee, don't i mean don't don't buy from asia i would say yeah yeah uh, don't don't buy from asia it's really like something you can't skip if you cannot run some kind of background check on the supplier well you know there are ways you can gather some information on different directories you can talk to them you can you can reduce the risk if you don't go on site i mean the, some people you know call the salesperson and say okay where are you turn the video on right now okay show me the factory go to the shop floor you know to see if they are at the factory but this is i, I don't think they can really have an idea about you know the, the the quality systems in place and what yep. the processes are and what kind of other products they make and have a look at you know the other brands maybe that put their production there and things like that so if you can't send someone to the factory uh, you know it, it's it is and i can say it with certainty you know if you do some kind of factory audits before you you work with a supplier you know this is correlated with better results later on during the product inspections uh, we've run the numbers based on our, our database what we did for the for, for our clients there is a strong correlation coming out very clearly right so you're just asking for trouble basically you multiply your risks if you don't send someone to the factory to to yeah. see what's going on to see if they're real to see if they're really making this kind of products or if it's going to be all subcontracted obviously right if they're making some other some very different ca- categories of products right just last week i heard a crazy story about a, a factory making a part for uh, aerospace you know <laughs> and yeah. their main activities was making washing machines you know yeah. so i mean this is really extreme really crazy but you know sometimes you you get into this kind of situation and you're like what what the heck i mean is this going to be made here but do you even know something about that product line or are you just jumping on every opportunity and you don't really know what you're doing right yeah and uh, actually something something you just mentioned uh, which made me think of this is you have to be really careful about which product you select to make right if, if you're on a tighter tighter budget Yes. So, you know, if you're going to make something that has a lot of technology mm-hmm. into it and you have a tight budget, it doesn't really make sense because, you know, technology is going to involve issues happening and things don't work immediately and, you know, multiple, multiple prototypes and bringing on 
technical expertise to figure out why this product isn't working and, and things like that. So yeah. I think it's um, that's yeah, another big. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So certifications also probably more. Certifications, yeah, certifications as well. Yeah, I mean we had a a, a client recently who was making a bag that had uh, sort of some sort of uh, IoT lock to it. Yes. And, you know, it was one of those situations where, you know, the, it was multiple suppliers. There was a supplier for the bag and the supplier for the lock. And, mm. you know, the lock itself had multiple issues because it was new, you know, you know, and so it was something that we had to work through for quite a while. And, and you know, the, the client started to feel pressure financially. And I, it just it just goes to one of those the, the point that I was saying is like you have to make sure it's like if you if it's a technological product or something that is going to be expensive to produce, maybe take a second guess or look at different products if you don't you know have a, a, a good budget for it. Right. Yeah. Good point. And that also leads leads us to the next topic about compliance. If you buy anything that is for children, anything in contact with food, yeah. anything with electronics, anything, you know, all of these come with their own compliance um, uh, regulations. I mean, you, 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 you're going to have to do more to, to pay more attention and probably uh, have, have more of a budget for compliance. Yeah. Uh, uh, especially if you yeah. pick off the shelf products and you don't know where the materials come from and everything, then you might have to do a lot of testing. And if you are on a small budget, that yeah, that might be a killer, right? Um, so yeah, keep that in mind. You will probably have to. Um, I mean, you you definitely will have to be aware. That's the mm. first thing I would say aware of um, the compliance requirements in the market where you're going to sell the product. Uh, and I see that uh, Frederick from compliancegate.com uh, is, is part of, yep. the, is, is one of the speakers in the summit. Uh, they have a neat tool about that. Uh, but really, you should be aware, right? What are the regulations, what the directives, the whatever, you know, and what exactly does that mean? What do, do I have to do in terms of in terms of labeling even and maybe declaration of conformity and things like that and what are the risks you know if if uh, some of the materials maybe i i should uh, do a you know pay for a chemical analysis for for reach for example if it's sold in the eu just to make sure that some of the restricted substances are not in the product i mean it's so common it's just an example but you um, you know compliance might actually be quite expensive if you want no risk, right? A hundred percent. It's it's kind of funny because our first ever, well, not our, but like my first product that um, we worked with with, with Source Vanilla um, was uh, toys, uh, PVC figurines for for children uh, yes. between between the age of five to eight, and this is also the the product that that your company inspected. And one of the things that we had to do was we had to get, because it was original design, it was the first time making the product, we had to get the paint, oh, the yeah. plastic, 
uh, everything inspected to go to the standards of the Cana- uh, Canada and and the U.S. and it was every single paint color and I color. think the first sure. yeah I think the first product had like three four different colors so it was every single paint every plastic uh, or every different sort of plastic that was used. And, uh, it, I mean, it was not cheap. <laughs> it was not cheap for, for the client to do. And, you know, then you, you know, those are sort the time constraints of we're in the middle of production because you have to take the product that's actual production, not prototype right. or, you know, sample. So right. that was a big thing. That was a big lesson for us as well. And, and letting people know that, hey, you know, in terms of product compliance, like you have to really make sure this is okay. And also they had feedback in terms of the actual toy, certain parts of the toy that maybe were a little bit too sharp or right. things like that. And, and, and it could be know, broken. Now, could even, be broken. Yeah. 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 Even this should be taken into account in the design phase, right? If something uh, can be broken into a small part, especially if you don't you know, that can be swallowed by a small kid. Uh, and especially if you don't put very clear labeling that this is for kids of, you know, seven or eight-year-old, not like two years old, then you can run into such big trouble when, when you put that on the market. So again, awareness of uh, compliance standards, right? There's one more thing about that, like um, oh, yeah. we touched on packaging earlier. Packaging is another one of those things where people don't really think about it so deeply. But you have to make sure that your packaging is also it follows the regulations because shipping those toys to North America um, and in in the U.S. English was fine, but like in in Canada, like it's a requirement that it's French and English on on the packaging. So you know these were subtle things that we had to make sure that the suppliers were aware of uh, to make sure that our packaging was compliant with the regulations um, in, in the countries that we're exporting to. Absolutely. And it brings you back to the previous point that, that we made is that it's your job as the buyer to know what is required and to document it in a very specific way and make sure that the supplier knows and does it. Right? Don't count on the supplier to tell you that, oh, oh, it's going to be in Canada. Okay, it's got to be also in French. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's I mean, that's the other aspect is like some people will be like, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the supplier should tell me. No, no. <laughs> like you're you're the buyer. It's your product. Like you're exporting it, so you you need to know these things. And the information is is out there if you do enough research. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and then. Shipping and logistics, just to wrap up, a huge mess these days and not going away anytime soon. And I guess there's no real tips for a small buyer to, uh, to, to go through that mess. I mean, just make sure that you specify proper protection for your products. Uh, that's something people often forget. And apart from that, find a freight forwarder or you know a consultant that can help you get the products shipped out to where you need them to be right yeah i guess in terms of pricing it, it's it's tough but yeah. i think the, the the normal sort of ideals are, are are the same getting multiple prices from multiple shipping companies um and then being able to compare that i think that's always that's always good advice 
but also just you know not waiting because i remember one one situation that happened uh recently where we a client we gave him a, a shipping quote and then they said oh that's that's too high can we do this and that to change it and then we waited a few weeks and then the prices went up like almost 60 percent so it was one of those things where it's like right now you know if if the price if you can afford it i would say you you probably have to move quickly but yeah the, the biggest thing is just like try to get multiple quotes you know think about your packaging dimensions and things like that like if you can if there's any way that you can make your packaging smaller then then that's going to help overall with with, um, with the shipping process but yeah it's a, it's a tough it's a tough situation i mean obviously the you know because of covid the there's just less shipping options and things are just slower so but people still want their products so it's much more expensive so and then that's really nothing that we have control over but uh, yeah i think there would be small pieces of advice i would give yeah i think that that's good condensed advice for people who want to start buying a product from asia on a tight budget yeah thanks rico and uh, speak next time Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Main Cheddar Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at sourcefinancial.com. If you want to check out the show notes from the episode that you just watched, that's sourcefinancial.com slash made in China. And be sure to also check out our YouTube channel, sourcefinancia, all one word. Cheers.